Welcome to the Business Focus Podcast. Before we start, can we ask one thing? 74% of you that watch this channel frequently do not subscribe. If you've enjoyed our videos, please could you do me a favor and hit the subscribe button? It helps this channel more than you know, and the bigger the channel gets, the bigger the learning gets. Welcome to the Business Focus Podcast. Jonathan Herbs is the host of the Business Focus Podcast. He is a strategic advisor, coach, and mentor to entrepreneurial business owners, CEOs, and senior executives. In this podcast, he chats with entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs of scaling companies. It centers around their entrepreneurial journey so far and their aspirations for their companies. So today, it's my pleasure to speak to Laura Bilmain. Um, Laura is CEO and founder of SafeStack. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. My pleasure. And, and I'm looking forward to our, our conversations. Phyllis, why don't we just um, start by, um, if you can tell me a bit about what you do and how long you've been doing it. Absolutely. So SafeStack is a community-centric online education platform with one goal in mind. We're trying to build the team of 30 million security-minded software developers. So all that amazing technology we build every day. Um, you know, we need that to change the world and make it a better place, but we also need that to be secure as we go. So that's our mission. We're teaching the skills that development teams need to make that reality. So I've been doing this uh, a little over 20 years. I've been working with very fast-paced dev teams, and we launched our product in 2020. So we're now in 45 countries, uh, working with over 500 organizations, helping them build amazing software, but with security throughout it rather than just as an afterthought. Okay. Now, you're based in New Zealand, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so um, where is your? T- I'm going. I'm, I'm off script. Um, where is your team based? <laughs> so we are remote, uh, fully remote. So I'm in the beautiful far north of New Zealand. Uh, it's lovely. You should come for a holiday. Um, but we have people in all the major hubs and lots of towns you'll have never heard of. In Australia, we have folks in Canberra, Perth, Melbourne, Sydney, and some in. Areas I have absolutely no idea which city they're near, but they're in the middle of nowhere, and apparently kangaroos like fighting. That's about all I know at this point. You know, I um, I, I live in Barrow, which is about an hour and a half south uh, southwest of Sydney, and you know, our house is next door. I've got the house here, which is my office, and there was a kangaroo that in my back garden here last week, which was <laughs> wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's a bit, only in only in Australia. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me, who would you, how would you describe your best customer, your core customer? So um, I'd say, you know, our ideal or customer profile, if you will, is these are organizations between, say, 20 engineers up to, you know, a thousand, where they're trying to build some software that is core to their business. So, you know, it could be that they're building that software for internal use, like an insurer, or it could be that they're a SaaS company and they're going to sell that that solution to someone else. These are the types of companies that know that software quality is really, really important. And they know that security matters for either compliance or that they need to sell to bigger companies. And those companies will require them to be more secure than perhaps a young company would be. And so we work with them to make sure that instead of having to have one specialist security person who's like Batman is going to save the day on everything, we give everyone in their dev team those skills so that security is considered in little steps all the time. Um, and we find that builds a higher quality of software um, in a short period of time because less mistakes, less vulnerabilities have to be addressed. So you started in the middle of COVID, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we are a COVID baby. 
Um, we, we went down into lockdown. Uh, there were four of us in the company at that time. We were bootstrapped off consultancy. We dropped 94% of revenue overnight. We had, you know, the perfect startup situation. We all had kids and old people to look after and home loans. And so we went, well, we could wait for it to all blow over or we can do something bold. So we turned what we've been doing very successfully as authors and consultants into a platform that can be used globally um, and can scale. So we're, we're quite proud of that. Well done. And so, um, okay, so you um, think about some of the actions you took um, during COVID that are stuck with the company. I mean, I said this place, every action you took is stuck with the company. But, um, you know, what are the key um, lessons you can teach other CEOs about how you operate? I think there's a few things that we do that are a little bit different that I'm so incredibly proud of being become embedded. So firstly, every decision we make, we try and make data backed. So uh, the value we have that aligns with that is that good decisions require experimentation and high quality data. Now, as a young company, we don't always have that. But knowing we need this data gives us the ability to put that in place and then future decisions get stronger. So we, over time, have got a really strong history of growing the amount of analysis and data we have about our product usage, about our sales, about the operations of the business, and then using that to drive really considered decisions. Because we're little, we can't waste time on, you know, just gut instinct and, and seeing how it goes. We need to learn very quickly. The other thing is we check in and we communicate in a way that I don't think many companies do because we're remote first and only. Um, you know, all that nuance you get from in-person conversation, uh, you know, the, the tone, the body language, all that is lost. So we do a lot of, some would call it over-communicating, but really just very transparently talking to each other, you know, that radical candor thing uh, of making sure that it's more important that we get it right than be right and that we can have these open conversations and that we can be honest. If you're having a bad day and you're distracted because, you know, your dog has been ill somewhere, then it's much better that we have a chat and say, hey, I'm going to step away for an hour. We're going to carry on later because right now I'm not in the space to work. And it's given us a flexibility, an asynchronous nature that means we've been able to work very effectively with a very diverse group of people. And um, what technology are you using for that? So we primarily use Slack as our communications channel. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm an anomaly in the company that my inbox is very heavily used, but for most folks, e email is very much secondary. And then we use a, a few additional tools. So we're, we're experimenting with some tools at the moment that can help provide rewards and kudos for people who um, show the spirit of our values, for example. <laughs> Or even just do something that helps everyone out. Um, we also use Asana quite heavily for project planning. So we try and accommodate working hours, whatever they look like. So having these centralized sources of knowledge and of planning so that we can pick up whenever we come in, uh, it has been really key for us. Okay. So just go back to the um, the one, the, the app you're using to reward values. What's the name of yeah. Uh, so there's one that is called Disco and there is one that's called, it's got Taco in the name. These are, uh, I will follow up after you with the Taco name. Okay. Um, but the, the idea is that you can build up points um, and the more points you get leads to actual rewards and prizes. Um, and our, our company has a, some nice wellness policies already built in that this builds on top of. So, for example, everyone gets one day wellness leave every month. 
yep. to spend on something, anything at all that makes you happy and healthy. It doesn't go out of any of your leave allowances. They get $250 a year in uh, to spend on wellness activities, such as gym memberships, massages, games consoles, whatever it is that makes you happy. And finally, we also, every time somebody does a workout or something for their fitness, we donate $2 to charity. So over the course of the year, we've donated almost $3,000 uh, this year alone. Uh, just from people doing $2 at a time, one workout at a time. Wow. Well done. Yeah. And, yeah, and for the record, for those listening, I am not a gym bunny. Uh, we are encouraging the definitely not the gym bunnies to work out. So, you know. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's really interesting um, how um, companies connect with their values and how they connect with their staff with the values is, um, yeah, it's such a critical thing. And it's it's an area I work really a lot of my time with my, my clients. I spend a lot of time on that. Um, uh, yes, rewarding, but it's in a bit. You know, calling um, calling people out for um, you know, for um, living the values um, as you do. Um, and interesting, the reward structures are quite, quite interesting. From you know, and, you know, I love what you're doing with um, you know, money to charity. You know, um, etc. It's it's um, there's some great lessons to be learned there. Yeah, um, we. I, I hope that as we grow, we continue these things because um, I think you know. It, while we all love being rewarded personally, when you know what you're doing contributes to something bigger than you, that can be you know that extra little nudge to do something to keep yourself he healthy and happy. And when we're all healthy and happy, we do bigger things. Yeah, we give one percent of our um, revenue and one percent of our time. Um, oh, nice. to, uh, to, to, to different organisations, and um, and it's it's something that really does ground ground the team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what does the future look like? Um, and what do you see as your main challenges moving forward? Awesome. Well, we're on this global mission. We're trying to create this 30 million team. And the audience that we try and connect with are software development teams. So they don't like selling. They don't like marketing. This is not yes. their crowd at all. So um, the biggest challenge for us coming up is how do we authentically connect with that community um, and shows them the value of what we do, but without crossing over that line, that's actually going to end up being antagonistic. So, um, so it's kind of product led growth. Um, and it's, uh, a lot of speaking engagements and, and travel and connecting with communities, uh, and building up the network of champions and advocates in the development space who can see and know the value of what we're doing and become, you know, the voice of us in what is a very big, very diverse community and growing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what do you think has been your biggest learning since you became a business owner? <laughs> um, oh, I'm going to sound really cheesy for this. So, you know, oh, well, let's just be, you know, uh, just be me. When I first started the company, if I was to look back, I would say I was quite apologetic as a CEO. I was kind of the security nerd who had built a product company and I was kind of like, yeah, we've done this cool thing and it's cool and all, but if you don't want to see it, that's fine too. And it was quite a, it wasn't a very good way to sell at all. Um, I would say over time, I've become a lot clearer on our value and our mission. And 
And I think I've made peace with the fact that it's okay to be a security nerd and a technical person and also be the CEO of a company and do strategy and finance and marketing. That, that That's actually making me a stronger person, not necessarily detracting from where my success previously was. Um, and that's helped me to kind of model this to my team as we're all on a bit of an adventure. We're all growing new skills that we perhaps didn't expect. Um, and, it, and it's been good to embrace that and actually push myself to see how far I can go with this. Um, I would never have picked this was my future, um, but I wouldn't be anywhere else. So would you, um, if we try to shrink the definition, would you think you, you're um, uh, suffering a bit from imposter syndrome? Possibly. Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. But it, it's a funny phrase, and I think it's one we use a lot. Um, what I say to myself is, I, and apologies to listeners, please don't be offended. Um, sometimes I need to practice channeling my 20 something American white guy. You know, that, you know, being a cheerleader, even if you're not certain, because being a CEO is, is kind of, for me, balancing very, two very different narratives in your head. There's the, the story of hope and the dream and the vision and the strategy. And then there's the reality of a young company and keeping it running and, and managing all of those parts. And they're very different. And yes. so I think I just, you know, it's easier for me to look at the, what are we doing right now? That's a very practical skill that speaks to my internal engineer. But my inner American um, is the one that's, you know, learning to articulate the vision and not be scared of it. Really good lesson. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you think of the word successful, who do you think, who comes to mind first? And can you tell me why? Oh, that's a hard question. Mm. Um so at the moment, my family, we just finished going to the Women's Rugby World Cup Games, um, which were in New Zealand. And for me, you know, looking at some of the players on the New Zealand women's rugby team, so Portia Woodman, Ruby Tui, these are women who were, they were not paid as professionals. They were working full-time jobs around their sports, but still became world-class leaders in their space. And not just that, but very humble and authentic people. So, you know, even looking at the coverage afterwards, you know, they, they give their time, they give their energy and they share their lessons and, and the space that they've created for themselves. So, you know, they're perhaps not the big, you know, glamorous examples, but they feel very real and very local to me right now. And I think there's a lot to be said for some of the pioneers in those sporting spaces. Absolutely. The, um, interesting enough, I, I put a blog out today. Um, uh, talking about a, a, a leadership coach called James Kerr, and James uh, is a Kiwi based in the UK, and but he was embedded with the All Blacks for a year, and mm -hmm. he wrote a book called Legacy. Um, oh which, yes, which actually documented the um, the values of the All Blacks. Mm. Um, so I, that blog actually came out today, and um, uh, it's a fabulous story. Um, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It, it's, it's strange. I'm not a sporty person at all. It was never in my genes. But I found that there have been some incredible writing from the sports space or performance sports space that have been really helpful for me understanding how to think about that. Because, you know, the endurance of performance athletes, you know, the way they're having to train for that, to manage their energy, to know when to rest, all of that has a lot of parallels with running a high growth company. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, um, yeah, 
gone on the coast. So of course, I'm going to agree with you on, on, on that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it is really fascinating. I, one of my recently graduated clients, um, uh, 600 staff, um, and this is quite an unusual client for me. I, I sort of, um, uh, it was a much larger client than I'd normally take on. And uh, they'd taken on, we took on $125 million worth of, worth of private equity. Um, which yeah. of course drives a business in a very, very different way to being a yeah. private private company and the decisions being made by the CEO. But you know, my first meeting with the CEO, the two founders, I, I said to them, you know, how long have you been going? I said, Oh, eight years. I said, eight years. And they were currently at that stage, they were at 150 stuff. And I said, Wow, you know, um, uh, and just eight years, oh, it was eight years, two weeks ago. Oh, right. What did you do to celebrate? And this blank look. <laughs> And it, I said, when did you last celebrate your success? And this blank look. And it was just, um, you know, we very quickly had a, um, a birthday party, and a simple cupcakes with the number eight on it. And when the, the two fathers went and talked to, you know, predominantly a, a food, food manufacturing company and um, predominantly a blue-collar workers and had a birthday party and thanked them. And the difference it made was extraordinary. Absolutely. Yeah. So take a take a break and um, and and celebrate. Um, are you a reader? I am indeed. Yeah. Uh, all sorts of things, the good and the bad. I will admit. Yeah. Anything you'd recommend? Yeah, so I think, like, kind of following on from what I just mentioned, I don't just read sports books, but I have been reading a few of them lately. Um, and there's two authors in particular, uh, Brad Stilberg and Steve Magnus. They wrote a book together called Peak Performance, which was really very helpful for me about understanding performance and how to maintain it. Um, and I've just watched, uh, listened to, listened to, read. No, I did read this one. Uh, the Art of Groundedness, which is the follow-on by one of those authors. I believe it's Brad Stilberg. And that's, you know, I think we can all benefit from time to time of a bit of a reality check on how our health and wellness and groundedness as CEOs and executives impact down onto the rest of the team. So, you know, I'm not there just to lead the strategy, but my behaviours represent what other people believe is expected of those. And so I've been reading a lot on how to maintain the growth and trajectory and the passion but with a focus on making that sustainable for the, you know, 10-year adventure to being an overnight success. It's, um, yeah, the, the, the first book you mentioned is, is fabulous. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. But, um, Laura, last, last question. Any last piece of advice or parting words to an entrepreneur or, or an aspiring entrepreneur out there? Um, yeah, it's going to be a little bit biased towards the security space because that's what I do. Um, security isn't the biggest monster in the room for your company. I know that. You know, there's going to be 20 concerns you have before cybersecurity, and that's okay. We're okay to say that. But the little tiny changes you can make in your business, even if it's silly things like choosing good passwords or making sure that you patch all of your systems or allow your browser to restart when it nags you that it needs to update, those make a huge difference. And in a growing company, security isn't about just saving yourself from cyber threats. It's about proving to larger organizations that you're safe to use and that they can trust you. So use it as a superpower. Use it as part of growth. Because those little things you do might not seem significant because you haven't spent a lot of money or time, but they add up. And as your team grows and their efforts all add on top of each other, before you know it, you've grown a very big, very secure thing. Yeah, you won't be like um, 
what about medical insurance here in Australia um, recently? It's it's been a bad year, um, but yes, absolutely. Um, and I think we'll be feeling the ripples of that for years to come, particularly now that the legislation has changed as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to sort of add an extra bit in here. So um, I met you through an organisation called Head Over Heels, and um, I'd like you just to give me you know one or two minutes on the organisation, why you are part of it, and what benefit that collaboration with. Um, how does that collaboration work and what benefit it brings to you and why um, CEOs should look to collaborate with other CEOs? Would you mind? Yeah, absolutely. Not a problem. So Head Over Heels is built upon the premise that um, lots of female-led founded businesses start, but scaling them and growing them is really hard because many of the female founders, much like me, we don't come from those kind of backgrounds. We don't have the connections um, that others might have that help them to succeed. And so it tries to even the playing field by connecting CEOs like myself with individuals. And those could be high net worth individuals, executives, um, connectors and powerhouses, the type of people, you know, those people who just connect people together and giving them an opportunity to share the mission and then ask for help. And that very explicit process of asking for help is powerful to someone like me. So if you can stand on the stage and say, hey, the thing that's going to really shift the needle for my company right now is this. And have we had 90 people in the room on our day. And we had 52 offers of help at the end of that. And those offers, while they can be a little overwhelming to start with, are huge for younger companies. So whether you are a new CEO like myself and, you know, it's scary, but you want to ask for help, that's a great avenue for that. Um, and if you are a more experienced person or, you know, you've got connections that could help grow a business, consider coming along, uh, joining one of the events and see if your one connection uh, could change an entire company's future. Yeah, no, thank you for that. It's um, uh, as you and I spoke before, before this, I was having problems finding female CEOs to to interview in this series, and um, uh, it just happened that the lady I interviewed um was a member of Head Over Heels, and it's led to some fantastic um conversations like this one. Um, oh. And um, you know, from the collaboration perspective, you know, from you know, given that this is all about teaching. CEOs, protected CEOs, how to be CEOs. It's been a, yeah. a, a great collaboration for me as well. So thanks for sharing that. Well, listen, last thing, um, any, um, I think you mentioned that you might have an offer um, that you might like to include. Um, Absolutely. So, um, right, here's your call to action, if you will. Um, so SafeStack, that's my company. We have a free training plan that's available to all organizations worldwide, whether you are teeny tiny and have a big idea and a big dream and nothing else, or you're a giant organization, we do not judge. And that's going to give you free essential secure development training, security awareness training, and privacy training. There's no tricks, there's no gimmicks, there's no credit card needed, but we're on a mission to try and help enable as many businesses as we can to get started with security. Now, in Australia alone, there are 729,000 businesses with less than 25 people in them. So, if this is something your company hasn't started doing yet and you want to do just one little thing for your security, sign up, get your team on, and see if you can make 2023 the year that you embrace security as part of growing an amazing company. Thank you, Laura. And um, the company's name is Safe Stack. Yep. Um, so that all the need contact details will be, in, will yep. be in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you again, Laura. I really, really appreciate you taking the time.
Awesome. It's been great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I very much enjoyed the conversation. If you were hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this new episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on YouTube, Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you watch slash listen. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to admin at scaleupgrowth.co. Put be a guest in the subject line and tell me a little about yourself. If you want to gauge where your business growth potential is and identify where the biggest opportunities in your business lie or where the key needs that you need to concentrate on right now are, take our assessment where you will receive personalized advice for improvement. It's quick and free. Go to scaleupgrowth.scoreapp.com. If you would like to work with me one-to-one, I love coaching and get the best outcomes that way. Send me an email to jonathan at scaleupgrowth.co and put one-to-one in the heading. Tell me a bit about your business and let's see how we can apply a great strategy for your business. So that's it for this week. Tune in next time for more great learnings from a scaling entrepreneur.